we're back. Well, I say we're back. We have never been here before, but the Rough Guides podcast has been here before. It was Greg. But uh, now it's not Greg yeah. anymore. Now it's me, which is uh, Neil McQuillan. I'm editor of the Rough Guides website, and I'm with Becca. Yep, I'm Becca Hallett. So Neil works on the website, I work on the books. So between us, we're pretty much, you know, all of Rough we Guides. we got it covered. Yeah. So we're going to be taking uh, an episode of the podcast each, every other week. And we're starting with one of yours, Neil. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, yeah. I've been editor of the Rough Guides website just for a few months now. And um, so I've been familiarising myself uh, gleefully with our back catalogue of wonderful articles. Oh, it's a tough um, job, you know. Yeah, I know. It's, it's oh, God. And one of the ones that really sort of jumped out at me was one about Haiti by mm-hmm. one of our best authors, Thomas Reese, who's actually, he's a, first and foremost, he's a music writer. Um, and obviously we're a travel website. Mm. But he went out to Haiti um, to kind of cover the music scene there. Mm-hmm. And as it turned out, he was just became fascinated by the voodoo culture, which I've, obviously we all have heard of voodoo, but we yeah. don't really know anything about it. It's Does like, it tie in with music then? Apparently so. It's mm. not just dolls that you stick things into. <laughs> what he found was that the, the voodoo religion actually imbues every part of life there, including uh, the art scene. Um, so he investigated that, he met people, He one particular guy who makes artworks using uh, the remains of his relatives. Haitian voodoo is the symbol of resistance of Haiti, the symbol of independence, the symbol of uh, the the deepest Haitians. Voodoo, its dignity, voodoo is a way of life. I went to Haiti for the first time last year and I actually went for a jazz festival, of all things. Um, I'm a music writer and I write quite a bit about jazz. And I'd done a little bit of reading before I went, but I was just struck by it straight away. It's such an intense place. It's so noisy and so bright. There are all these weaving motorbikes and brightly painted tap-tap minibuses. And then we went to the first concert as part of this festival and I was going to see some jazz bands which I was really excited about but I wasn't sure how much in the way of Haitian music I would, I would actually see and then this band came out playing rah-rah street music and at the end of the night the skies just opened there was this spectacular rainstorm and they were still there playing and that was it really I was just hooked on Haiti and, and Haitian music. So all this stuff that, you know, bad headlines recently, some bad press, especially with Trump slurs, talking about the you know, the shithole countries. Right. Did you find any response to that when you were there? Yeah, people are upset, as you would expect, but in a way they're not really that surprised. I suppose it's surprising to have a, a world leader saying things like that, but Haitians have been living for decades, for centuries, with people saying that Haiti is a shithole and putting the country down, mm. and it, it, it doesn't have a good reputation internationally, unfortunately. Mm. And do you, do you have a sense of why people say that? It's, it's so complicated. I mean, Haiti has suffered so many 
horrendous misfortunes throughout its history. I mean, just recently, there have been some awful natural disasters, so chiefly the earthquake in 2010, which was so devastating. But I think a lot of the problems really, in order to understand them, you have to go further back in its history, right back to the time of the the Haitian Revolution that was on the turn of the 19th century. And Haiti was a French colony. It was one of France's wealthiest colonies. They were using slave labor to cultivate sugarcane and making obscene sums of money in the process. And in 1791, the Haitian slaves essentially rose up and booted the French out of the island. And that was an incredibly dangerous example that terrified the whole of the the colonial world because you couldn't have slaves doing that. What if other colonies followed suit? And there was an agreement struck between the Haitians, the free Haitians and the French. The French wouldn't come back if the Haitians agreed to pay this punishing sum of, of reparations, trillions of dollars by modern standards. I think they only finished paying that back in something like the 1960s. So that just crippled the economy. They were made a pariah nation. Nobody would trade with them. And so many of the problems have just stemmed from there. And they've since been brutal dictatorships and they've been punished ever since the revolution, essentially. And with this whole sort of PR image idea, where do you think voodoo comes into that? I think voodoo is... It's a really important aspect of Haitian culture and it's been misrepresented and demonised. And I think that fits with the colonial narrative, this idea of sort of savages practising a dark religion. So, yeah, it's been demonised by, by colonialists and subsequently by missionaries and then, then by Hollywood as well. Yeah, I mean, like, for me, I just think of, like, Baron Samdi from, from James Bond and Let <laughs> right. Die. Um, and that kind of notion of Haiti as being this like place unto itself that I was kind of surprised when I looked on a map recently when I was editing the Rough Guide to the Dominican Republic. I was like, what? Haiti's neighbouring the Dominican Republic. They're part of the same. It's Hispaniola, isn't it? I think. Yeah, the, yeah. Whole, the whole island's called Hispaniola, yeah. Yeah, it feels like Haiti should be an island of its of its own because it's got this very unique reputation. And I think a lot of that is down to these notions of what voodoo is. So can you sort of explain a little bit about what voodoo actually is? So voodoo is a religion. It's a mix of all sorts of different influences. So there are belief systems that were brought from West Africa by the slaves who were taken to work in the the sugar plantations in Haiti. And those beliefs, their beliefs from the Daume people of modern-day Benin, um, some Yoruban beliefs, I think, are mixed in there as well. Those beliefs then were mixed with the some of the belief systems of the indigenous people in Haiti at the time, so the Taino Amerindians, but also with the Catholicism of the colonialists. So it's Voodoo is what you call a syncretic religion, where one religious belief system has essentially been grafted onto another. The fundamentals of the voodoo religion are these spirits, and you perform devotive rites, you give offerings to these spirits and ask them to intercede. Hmm. So when you went on this um, this recent trip to Haiti, was part of the reason that you wanted to go was to kind of see some of these voodoo traditions? 
Yeah, absolutely. I was just fascinated by by the culture and I wanted to find out a little bit more about it. Merci. Très gentil. Merci beaucoup. And I was actually very lucky this time to go and visit a district of downtown Port-au-Prince called Grand Route. I went there with a friend of mine, Haitian friend called Romel, who is a bit of a legend. He's he works as a guide, but he also works in NGOs and charities. He's a music producer and his grandmother was actually a voodoo priest. So we're having a look around in this neighborhood and he led us into this little courtyard and there was a pillar in the center of this courtyard which had a cattle skull decorated with some leaves and there was a Haitian flag on there and it turned out this was a was a voodoo temple. So what actually happens during the ceremony then? What? what... That's a long process. <laughs> Trust me, though. A lot. A lot of drumming, a lot of people in trance, a lot of, a lot of dancing, a lot of singing. That's what happened during a voodoo ceremony. So is the ability to talk to the spirits and to be a voodoo priestess, that's passed down in the blood? Like that's passed down in the blood, Germany. that's also passed down when you're chosen. Okay. You have to be chosen. It's not just that simple. I was saying like there's a lot of similarity like between voodoo and a lot of religion like Buddhist and Hinduism. Like in voodoo, like you have seven life. And at the end, depending on how you, you live your life, you will have the opportunity to become a spirit, like an energy, or you will be forgotten forever. And that's the biggest fear, and the biggest fear in voodoo in general is being forgotten forever. Voodoo has this, this dark reputation. There's a side to voodoo, certainly, which is dark, but only in the same sense that lots of religions have a dark side. I mean, Christianity, we have hell and, and the devil. One of the ways that I think voodoo differs, the way one of the ways that he's keen to stress as well is it's it's very egalitarian and it's very community focused in a way that many world faiths aren't. Faiths like Christianity are, are much more hierarchical. If there is a voodoo ceremony, it's open to all, all, all. Something crazy also that I've noted with the voodoo ceremony. When you're on in the temple, you're equal to everyone. Even if you're gay, if you're whatever, everyone will be fine with you. As soon as the voodoo ceremony ends and you go out of the temple, difference resurfaces again. And also, there is that aspect again of control. Like in voodoo, when we do what we call the Eucharistie, like the question of to give you a piece of uh, bread and some wine, here, we don't do it like this. We give you the bowl, you take some, and you make sure the person next to you will get some too. In the new religion right now, like Christianism, there is such an idea of control. It's like they have to give it to you. So it's like, he seems to be saying that religion or voodoo is very much about like community, strength of community. And does so does voodoo, obviously it's part of that kind of sharing culture, the community, does it also inform other aspects of culture in, in Haiti? Yeah, absolutely. Voodoo's really the key to understanding Haitian culture, I think. Shortly after we had a look around this temple, Romel took me to meet a group of artists, a group of sculptors who form a collective called Atis Resistance. 
based in Grand Rue, who make art from all kinds of debris, from recycled materials. There are car parts in there and coils of metal and springs. And most strikingly of all, there were a few human skulls staring back from some of the artworks. Yes, they are real. But uh, the, the philosophy behind it, la philosophy derrière, it's uh, the fact like uh, after the earthquake, there were so many on the street, so many under the rubble. Artists pick them up and try and kind of give them a new life. But before you could use them, there is a process. You cannot just take them. You have to take them and put their, their soul at peace first. You know, but uh, our relationship with death and Haiti, it's different than the relationship with death in other countries. It's, it's such a um, kind of matter-of-fact approach to death, but at the same time, very, very mystical as well. You know, both both sides of that of that coin. Is that kind of how, how you found it? Yeah. And after Ramel was 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 introducing me to to Andre Eugène, he actually he introduced me to another artist who was very mystical. A guy called Jean-Claude uh, Santelus. Very tall, slim, quite stoop-shouldered, wearing this hat of woven palm leaves with little sunglasses on, a real enigmatic character. You, you like, uh, in fact, my work is simple. Sometimes I go to sleep, and I, before going to sleep, I get inspired, and I sleep, and I dream, and I start working. And do you sometimes use skulls in your work? Because I've seen some works around here with skulls and human bones and that sort of thing. Working with skulls is something I I really like. That's actually my preferred thing to do. Why do you like working with skulls? Most of the skulls I use to to work with are from my relatives. Wow. And do none of your family object to that? They're happy for the skulls to be used for art? They are not mad at all because that means they are together. Wow. <laughs> You're sounding kind of increasingly gobsmacked by by that situation. You just can't quite believe what you're hearing yeah. at the time. Yeah, it is profound culture shock. Yeah. Because, of course, like, you know, with the recent, with the awful earthquake and then death has cast a pretty intense shadow over over Haiti in the past decade. Do you think their attitude towards death has helped them or has been changed by the, the, the recent horrors? I think one of the reasons why this is is such a culture shock and this would be so taboo to us is because we're so unfamiliar with death, whereas Haitians, unfortunately, are so much closer to it. In the West, we put our old people away in old people's homes and we distance ourselves from death. But in Haiti, recently, they've they've had these atrocities to contend with and death is so much more a part of, of life for them. Mm-hmm. So when you were speaking to Jean-Claude, did you actually get to see some of his artworks as well? Yeah, I did. As I say, he was quite a an enigmatic, quite a mysterious character, and I think it took him a little while to to trust me. But he actually invited me to go to his studio, to his house. 
we were wandering through the, the back streets of, of Grand Rue and it's quite an industrial area so we're passing lots of mechanics workshops. Um, Ramel, who grew up around there, knows everybody so he was saying hello to everyone as we passed and we walked through all these alleyways and then eventually arrived at Jean-Claude's house um, at, in his backyard. I'm not sure That's house. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Yes, Marcel Daniels is relative. Really? <laughs> so what are the names of some of these people then? We walk into Jean-Claude's yard, there are kids running around, and straight away I see an artwork in the corner, a woman's skull um, with long, matted hair. Some kind of fabric has been used to create her hair and there are barrels and various pieces of metal and, and debris around her. Um, what relation is she to you? I'm Geneviève. Geneviève. Geneviève, my It's my aunt. His aunt? Yeah. Wow. Geneviève. How did she die? She was, uh, she had a hypertension and she died sick. To the right is a woman sat on a wheelchair. I can see her skull staring back at me and there's something in her, her eye sockets. And on her lap is a computer keyboard. Below that, there's the blade of a fan. And why have you turned her into a work of art like that with the keyboard and the... So she's actually typing the name of her friends because she's looking for the companionship. That's why she's sit on a computer keyboard to do researches. To the right inside Jean-Claude's house, there's an altar against the back wall and right in the centre is the skull of his mother. There's some fibreglass in her eye sockets. Below that, I can see the skeleton of a rabbit. There's a doll in there as well. Um, and surrounding it are statues of Gede spirits, Baron Samadhi, who is the chief of the Gede spirits. Water in her eye sockets. So it looks it's like, like silver. Fiberglass. 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 And the clock. What does what does that represent? My mum always like used to be on time. That's why I use a clock and the Bible because she loved the church. And she always tried to look out at her kids. That's why I put that doll as a baby. So she was on time, loved church and loved their kids and the way she could watch them all the time. Wow. <laughs> That's, I mean, were you feeling uh, quite bamboozled by this point? It was insane it was really profound culture shock wow. yeah i don't think i've ever said wow so much in my entire life how did it feel to see because obviously that's sort of, it's got a slightly comedic quality to it as well or yeah. I mean, what was the feeling you couldn't quite believe they were yeah. real i think afterwards we went back to the the artist's main main base and i was chatting to to andre eugene the leader of the collective and i was saying are these artworks not dark do you not consider them to be frightening they seem quite dark to me and he was saying he really doesn't see it like that 
he finds them uplifting because they are making people live again. And he says that when he visits art galleries in Europe, for instance, and he sees these towering marble statues, Greek gods holding tridents, <laughs> Roman soldiers, whatever else, he finds that incredibly dark and he finds that frightening. Mm. So I think it just shows the culture that you're that you're used to, that you're accustomed yeah, absolutely, to. Absolutely. It's, it's all relative. So voodoo obviously informs the art scene, but I mean, you were there for the music mostly, weren't you? Does voodoo also play a part in the music? Absolutely, yeah. Um, music is a key part of the voodoo religion. At the core of it, you have these drum patterns. Drums are actually sacred in the world of voodoo. There are different drum patterns, different rhythms that are associated with different voodoo spirits. Mm. So you'd play a different rhythm if you wanted to summon Urzuli or if you wanted to summon Dambala or who, whoever else. And I was actually lucky enough this time to see some traditional voodoo musicians performing. I was in a town on Haiti's south coast, a town called Jacmel, which is very famous for its carnival, and I was wandering along the seafront. It was evening, the sun was just setting, and I heard these drums in the distance and wandered through a few side streets and came to this backyard and they were building carnival floats. They were building these huge papier-mâché floats for the Jacmel Carnival. Oh. And I went up a rickety staircase into this house overlooking the, the sea, and there were a troupe of voodoo musicians rehearsing. So drummers and singers and some trumpet players. And in front of them were a troupe of about 10 dancers <laughs> who were just hurling themselves around in time to the music, um, leaping, throwing their heads back and shrieking. And... At one point in this recording, you can you can hear a lot of shrieking. A, a guy just hurled himself on the floor and started writhing around like he was possessed by a spirit. Yet again, another incredible scene to have been party to and to have witnessed. So, I mean, given all that, why do you think people don't go to Haiti? Well, it has this reputation that we've discussed and a consequence, I suppose, of the the lack of development and some of the poverty is that there isn't a huge amount in the way of infrastructure. So getting around, if you want to backpack around and do it off your own off your own back, then it's it's quite complicated. The easiest way to travel now there is some tourism that's starting to develop, so there are some small independent tour companies who can help you get around. Um, but obviously you have to pay a little bit more if you want to, to do it yeah. that way. Because in a world that's perennially on the lookout for hidden gems, you'd think that this would be the absolute prime example of a hidden gem, wouldn't you? Um, is it safe? I mean, that's one of the big questions, of course. Yeah, I would. you would obviously take precautions, consult the 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 fco and ask around take mm. local advice when you're there but yeah yeah i would yeah and which would be your favorite parts to visit so many i mean yeah. port prince as i say is just an incredible city so intoxicating jack mel is fascinating the the carnival there is is amazing but there are there are other sites as well there's beautiful coastline you can go to a city in the north called cap haitian where they have this amazing fortress that was built following the slave revolt really as a symbol of what 
the free slaves could do, that they could build something as impressive as any of the colonial powers. There's all sorts. There are some really fascinating sacred sites associated with voodoo. So there's a place that I'd love to go to called Sodo, which is a waterfall which is associated with the spirit Ursuli, and they have voodoo baptism ceremonies there. So people plunge into the pool at the bottom of this waterfall. I mean, it sounds as well like voodoo is very much right there in your face. You couldn't avoid it if you, even if you wanted to. So like seeing voodoo ceremonies and things like this would be quite easy to do. Yeah, to see a ceremony, I think you would have to, you would have to do a little bit of uh, okay. of digging. Yeah. But it it informs so much of the culture. You yeah. will encounter voodoo when you when you're there. Thank you to Thomas Rees, to our producer Alana Chance from Reduced Listening, and to Agnieszka from Rough Guides. Becca will be back next week talking about an all-female South African anti-poaching group called the Black Mambas. See you then. <laughs>